0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome everyone to the Writer's Block podcast, season two, episode nine. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, I have David Hallman and Chris Holling. Normally, we do have our top ten rankings, or top five rankings, rather, that We do each and every week, but we're going to do something different because by the time this episode comes out, it will be in the heat of the trade deadline. There are going to be a ton of teams working on Halloween, uh, which is, I don't know why I enjoy that holiday more than most people as a 27-year-old adult, but that's nor here nor there. Uh, they're going to be working hard, trying to build rosters, making sure that they're competitive for the final stretch of the season. Will the Cowboys actually do something Uh, during this trade deadline we're going to talk about it i have my trade guys here um first i do want to talk about the game on sunday get sort of like our overarching big takeaway like we do every week chris i'll start with you the cowboys win in another dominating fashion at home 11 and 0 uh You know, since last year at home, I didn't think AT&T Stadium would be a home field advantage, but it's finally turned into that. Uh, They win against the Los Angeles Rams, 43 to 20, now making it 13 times in the Mike McCarthy era that they've won uh, with 40 plus points. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, So what was your biggest takeaway against the Rams and the Cowboys? Absolute domination on Sunday.
2: Yeah, yeah. My biggest takeaway was that uh, Mike McCarthy was in his bag offensively. He was really making some good play calls. He was really opening it up uh, more aggressively, giving Dak more, more trust for him to be able to make plays himself. And and uh, just to transition into that, Dak looked incredible as well. Dak was making every throw he could. That on um, one throw he had to Jake Ferguson on the first touchdown was just a beautiful throw. It, it was placed perfectly. It was a tough grab, and uh, Ferguson came down with it, but it was placed just to where he could get it right over the defender, and Dak just looked smooth the whole game. And then, and uh, same with Ceedee Lamb, he was—I I, I, I mean, like he had his probably one of his best games as a Cowboy. He was um, getting open on routes. He was making good plays. He had he had two touchdowns, and you know it's just nice to see him call for the ball and and uh, back it up. You know, he really uh, put his. Uh, money where his mouth was so 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 yeah so I'm just uh really excited that the Cowboys won that game you know five and two sounds a lot better than uh four and three and so now it's uh the um the um patented it, it's um a Philly week now and uh and yeah so now I'm just uh moving on to that and I'm hoping that the Cowboys can uh, get a win. Howman what about you? I know the defensive
1: effort is what a lot of people circle especially with someone like Deron Bland uh I, once again getting a pick six now has three on the season. And there was a list that came out of all the receivers, uh, that have the same amount of touchdowns as him, uh, on the year. And it's a pretty long list with a lot of notable names. So is that one of your bigger takeaways or do you want to go in a different direction?
3: Um, I mean, it it was definitely a great game on defense. I mean, it was a great game all around. Like this is one of those games where it's like, you got to look really hard for something to complain about. Like, you know, maybe that tipped interception, but that's one of those fluky things. Um, Great game, and and the defense, it was funny because, like, Micah Parsons, he had a good game. I went back and looked, like, six pressures. He had the sack, like, but also this wasn't really a game where, like, it was the Micah Parsons show. It was, like, Marquise Bell was all over the field. Deron Bland had another pick six. Like, they they were getting good performances from some of the guys that aren't necessarily, like, the top names that we talk about, and that's really nice to see. That's comforting to see, especially against a Rams offense that has – you know, looked good relative to the kind of talent that they had and was kind of one of those teams that could surprise you, could shock you, especially, you know, Matthew Stafford has shown he's he's a good quarterback. Sean McVay is one of the best offensive minds in football. And for them all to kind of collectively step up like that against an offense like this was a big deal. Um, I do want to circle back to what Chris was saying, though, with the offense is like this was every single thing that we wanted to see from the offense. Um, you know, going into the bye week, there were, a whole bunch of things that a whole bunch of Cowboys fans had issues with on the offense, like things that they weren't doing well, um, and it, it felt like the Cowboys came out and on offense they just checked off all those boxes. They said, "Here's what they want. We're gonna give it to them." Like they they were using uh, a lot of motion. John Owning, uh, you know, popular Cowboys Twitter guy, uh, he actually posted they they used uh, motion at the snap on 33 total plays, which was about five point five and a half per game um or sorry that was that was going into the game was five and a half motion plays per game uh 33 and then in just this game they had 18 different plays with motion at the snap so like wow. they significantly ramped that up they were they were using motion at the snap but, like at a high rate especially for them um they had they were number two in uh, among all teams this week in uh early down pass rate so they were throwing it down they were throwing it early in the down. Getting Dak Prescott in the rhythm, getting C.D. Lamb fed properly, and he he had a whole lot of targets and caught like just about every single one of those. He had a great day. There were deep shots, like you know went went a few went deep a few times to Brandon Cooks. Um, you know C.D. Lamb had that one really big uh, catch down the field, and it was just like it felt like everything that we wanted we saw. And not only was Mike McCarthy like implementing all that stuff into his game plan, but Dak Prescott was dealing. He looked comfortable. Even the run game looked better. Um, you know, not completely perfect, but Tony Pollard looked more like Tony Pollard. The offensive line was getting some more push in the run game. So that's just really, uh, that. that's really encouraging, especially because as we saw in the very, very beginning of the game, the Rams defense is good. Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald. They've got some good young pass rushers there. So, you know, doing it against this Rams defense, it's not like it's not for nothing. So that, that was encouraging to see if they can take that momentum and kind of bottle it going into Philly I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself and start talking about that game, but oh boy, that that could be fun.
1: Yeah, you, you mentioned the beginning of the game. I missed the first portion of it. I'm happy that I did because when I heard that, you know, uh, that the three out of the first five plays went for sacks, I mean, that's not the way you want to start the game, but somehow, some way, the Cowboys overcame that. They ended up scoring a touchdown, like Chris mentioned, that beautiful pass to Jake Ferguson. Finally, you know they were able to hit the the pass up the seam, uh, you know, to a tight end. They tried against the uh, the Patriots with Luke Schoonmaker. He didn't come down with that catch. He's been trying to get uh, Ferguson on that route a few times. It just seems like that that's a good throw for Dak. He's been on the money with that, but just for whatever reason, the wide receivers haven't been able to help him out. Michael Gallup against the chargers. That was a play that, you know, he should have had as well for a touchdown. So it was finally to see, to see that come together was, was great. Um, and the other thing you mentioned, you know, that, that I thought was pretty impressive was that the run game was starting to get going a little bit. I know Tony Pollard only had 53 yards on the game, A lot of people want to see a little bit more from him. That's what we're going to be talking about a little bit with the trade deadline, with trying to improve the team. A lot of people have been talking about potentially getting another running back in here, somebody of note. Um, But I think the other thing to mention, too, is the Cowboys, they only had four penalties on the day, so they improved on that. They were, once again, 50% in the red zone, so kind of elevating that as well. I think that Mike McCarthy coming out of the bye, like you mentioned, Howman, the motion stuff, they were towards the bottom of the league for a long time throughout the the entirety of the season. And then they kind of flipped the script. They went against the grain and started using it a lot more. So maybe you see that more going forward. I think they used a lot of their time well. And you also shout out to John Fossil uh, having revenge against his former team. Special teams was phenomenal. The sequence between the block punt um, that went for the safety and then you had the kick return and then the field goal all that stuff that went on I thought was awesome and and again Brandon Aubrey I really was hoping he would break that record yesterday especially at home um, but you know what if he does it against the, Phil- uh, the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend I think that would be pretty awesome but to just nail a 58 yarder and just go right down the middle not really stress about it I thought it was equally impressive too so A lot of great things to take away. If you guys want to catch up on what happened, sort of an instant reaction, go check out the First and 10 podcast with Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Uh, They did that quick reaction right after the game, so be sure to check that out. But like I said, we're going to focus on trade deadline talk revolving around the Cowboys, but also I want to hit on the NFC East as well because as we're recording this, it's about 7 o'clock Eastern on Monday, so if there are things that happen after this episode comes out, don't get mad at us because we didn't talk about it. It's just because it probably happened after we, we hit the end button. So um, I want to start off with sort of a Cowboys rumor mill. Um, Josina Anderson of CBS Sports, she was talking uh, two days ago about how there might have been some movement with the Cowboys on Saturday. Uh, there was a tweet put out by Benjamin Albright that we'll get to as well. But so there, there has been some whispers of potential movement with the Cowboys We know that Jerry Jones talked earlier in the week and leading up to game day saying that, you know, there isn't really going to be too much movement. He's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth, kind of leaving the door open one way or another, which I always love because then that just means all options are on the table and nothing's really uh, finalized. But I know he came out and said that they're not really going to be focused on doing anything. Um, But I do want to mention that per Diana Rossini of The Athletic, this is something to kind of set the table to keep in mind. That as we're recording this today she said keep in mind why today could be busy for general managers around the league she said let's say a team is going to trade for a player and take on some of that salary that deal would have to be redone by today as we're recording this it would have been 4 p.m on monday then the team can trade anytime between today at 401 and then 359 on tuesday so that transitions into what we saw happen where leonard williams was getting sent to the seahawks for a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick I'm sure that that deal was renegotiated potentially with regards to taking on the salary. Um, instant reaction for you, Hellman, on Leonard Williams now leaving the NFC East, but going to the Seahawks, which the Cowboys play the week after Thanksgiving uh, with that game. And they're still got to face him, but again, now the Cowboys are going to be playing a Giants team where it's one less pass rusher they have to face.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a great move for Seattle. They're kind of in a spot where, you know, they, they've been winning a lot, but they also know their schedule's about to get a whole lot harder but they've also seen the 49ers drop three straight and they're like, Hey, we might actually be able to win this division. So it makes sense for them to go out and bolster that defense. Um, as far as like, you know, the Cowboys still have to face him. So it, it, they don't really luck out there. Unfortunately, like it's nice that he gets out of the division and now they don't have to worry about seeing him two times every single year, but they're still going to see him twice this year. They still have to face Seattle. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a good move for them, but I don't know if it necessarily moves the needle as far as that matchup with the Cowboys goes, just because, I mean, you know, they, they've they faced him for a while now. They kind of know what to expect from him. They already have a lot of uh, familiarity with him, but but I, I thought that was a good move for them, and it kind of signals the Giants are starting to come to terms with they're not, they're not winning this year. They're not in a win-now mode right now, um, and I'm really curious to see what that, means long-term with, like, with Saquon and his contract, you know, being up after this year, what they might do with Daniel Jones, you know, he's missed the last couple of weeks, and, you know, do they kind of reevaluate that? Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they do long-term. Um, but it, I think it, it's at least a good sign for them that they're admitting, hey, we're not getting back to the playoffs this year. We've come to terms with that, and now we have to react to that.
1: Chris, one of the reports that came out before uh, game day on Sunday was – that the commanders were going to decide what they wanted to do with their team, depending on if they won or if they lost. That, to me, is not really how you run a team, but, you know, hey, that's yeah. that's, that's, that's all on them. I know yeah. that they were getting a lot of flack for it, yeah. um, but they ended up losing to the Eagles. I really thought that they were going to end up winning that game. It looked like it was, it was going in their favor, but they just couldn't hang in there towards the end. Um, there are a lot of intriguing names like a Chase Young, Montez Sweat. I think, uh, there were some rumors that potentially the, the Atlanta Falcons were offering a third for Montez Sweat, but I also look at a name even too, like a Jamin Davis, the linebacker, uh, has some familiarity with someone on the roster for the Cowboys, Quentin Bohanna, uh, from, you know, Kentucky. So it's like, there could be a potential there where the, maybe the Cowboys want to trade for a linebacker, get depth on a team that might want to just ship off some of their old players that from, you know, they want to start over, uh, For you, where do you see the commanders and how they sit? Are you really taking them seriously? Um, I know they're a little bit of a feisty team, but also, too, they have a few pass catchers that they can kind of trade off if they really wanted to, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that the commanders are better than they have been in previous years because I do think Sam Howell is a better quarterback than what they've had in previous years. But I still don't think they're all the way there right now. Um, I'm not really worried about them contending with the Cowboys for the NFC East. I really do think it's now been solidified as a two-man race between them and the Eagles. Uh, I definitely think that they're a step up from the Giants, so I think it'll be a little bit tougher, but at the same time, not too worried about it. And um, and, and uh, listen, I would love to get a, a a Chase Young or even a Montez Sweat in Dallas if that were to happen because I think that they're both tremendous edge rushers. And and I really think I think that Chase Young hasn't tapped into his potential yet, and I think that he can still really have a successful career in the NFL. And I think he just has freakish athleticism that like could really pay off in the right system. And if anyone's going to get the best out of someone, it's Dan Quinn. So, I mean, I could imagine what Chase Young could do on this defensive line with Micah Parsons next to him, with DeMarcus Lawrence next to him, with Dan Quinn and those corners back there. Yeah, so I would totally be for trading for one of those edge rushers. I just don't necessarily think that that's something that would entice the Commanders. I don't think that they want to see Chase Young have a tremendous career in the division that uh, they're playing in. But yeah, no, I would welcome that. Um, but um, but I'm overall on the Commanders. I don't know. I'm not really too worried about them. But I do think that they're a. I don't know. I'd say that they're an above average NFL team, but but um, they still got a little bit of a ways to go before they uh, start contending for the NFC's.
1: Yeah, they might be a little feisty, almost like kind of nagging by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final team I want to talk about is, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are going to be playing the Cowboys this weekend. But uh, in the same report that Diana Rossini came out with um, on game day, she mentioned that the Eagles are are hunting for a linebacker. They want to improve their linebacker depth. Uh, they already improved their safety depth with uh, Kevin Byard. So for you, Howman, you know the Cowboys. They might want to go in a direction at adding maybe another linebacker. You know they have Leighton Vander Esch on IR. We haven't really heard much since he went on there about a potential return. Maybe we hear things later this week and sort of how he's doing. Um, If you don't hear any news, you figure all things are going well. But again, they could look to add some more depth. Rashawn Evans was elevated from the practice squad over the weekend, so he has two elevations left. Um, There weren't too many opportunities for him to get on the field until really the end of the game, but he's still getting acclimated. So if they want to compete against somebody like the Eagles, maybe they try and trade for somebody who's top of market right now at being traded at linebacker, and maybe they want to kind of get that player before the Eagles can get their hands on him first.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if I'm fully on board with, with the idea of, like, trying to beat out the Eagles there. Um, I mean, I think, like, part of the reason why we haven't heard so much about Van Der Esch since he went on is because the Cowboys have been able to survive without him. And that's not to say that, like, you know, they're not going to be really happy when he does get back in, on the field. But, I mean, Marquise Bell is having a heck of a year, you know, despite just barely moving the linebacker in time before the season starts. Damone Clark has been really good at linebacker. Um I don't I don't really see linebackers like a like significant need for them at this point. You know, they've been able to get by with where they are, and not only get by, but, like, I mean, they against the Chargers, they limited the Chargers to the worst point total they've had all year offensively, and then against the Rams, they had a really great game. Marquis Bell was all over the place. So, um, I really, I, I look at it, honestly, and I see, like, the Eagles kind of messed up in the offseason because they let their two starting linebackers go. They let their two starting safeties go. And they thought they'd be fine with the internal guys they had on the roster. And then they got into the season and their defense was really bad up the middle. And so they were like, well, we're going to trade for Kevin Bayard. And I think that was a good trade for them. But also now they're like, well, we got to trade for a linebacker too because that's still a weakness. So, I mean, Howie Roseman in, in Philly, you know, generally does a really good job of building this team. But I think that was a mistake on his part, how he handled those positions in the off season. And he's kind of realizing that. And now he's in a situation where he kind of has to make a move because You know, he's got to make up for the mistake, which credit to him for admitting that and, you know, taking the steps to fix it. But the Cowboys are kind of in a situation where they've built their team uh, with so much positional versatility on defense, and they've stocked up on the positions that they knew that where they had a lot of talent and where they had a lot of versatility to where you can move a marquee spell to linebacker and feel okay with it to where, you know, Damone Clark was, you know, coming off the, the good end of the season last year after they didn't even think he was gonna play, like they feel good about that. They went out and got Rashawn Evans who, you know, like you said, he's he's barely been with the team and just had his first, you know, actual game with them and we'll see what he gets to do going forward. But he's a former first round pick. I mean, that's that's good talent to have in the building. So I don't I don't know if they necessarily need to go out and trade for a linebacker. Um You know, depending on like if they were out good to go out and get somebody, depending on who the player is and what they have to give up for, like I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, that's just a horrible decision, whatever, no matter what they do. But I don't I think they're in a good spot in general with all the trades, whether it's linebacker or not, like they're in a good spot with with their personnel. I don't think there's like one specific glaring need, but also there's definitely going to be some opportunities to kind of upgrade and we'll see what they do.
1: And with that, what we're going to do is we're going to do our trade deadline elevator pitch. This will sort of be the game for tonight where each of us pick two of our favorite players that we really want the Cowboys to trade for within the confines of um, the expectation of what the Cowboys would probably do. You know, we've been hearing a lot of things like Todd Archer put something out where he said cap can be adjusted. But things to keep in mind, um, the Cowboys need to sign a few of their players. Uh, next year like a CeeDee Lamb, a Dak Prescott, Micah Parsons can start negotiations at the end of the year. So they might only be looking for players with maybe one year left on their deal or something that's favorable to them. Um, And then another thing too is that they don't have a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, or a sixth round pick in 2024 because of some trades that they made for Trey Lance, Brandon Cooks, and then also Eric Scott in the draft to trade up for him. So sort of a refresher of when we give trade compensation we're not just kind of asking for those picks because they don't have them and so that might set our standards of what we're going to expect for the cowboys so with that said I turn the card over to uh, Chris. Uh, each of us will actually be almost like Adam Schefter, where we're going to be looking while the other person's talking to make sure we're not missing any breaking news here. So it's nothing rude to you, Chris, if both Hammond and I are looking down. We're very interested in what you have to say. Just we're going to try and keep up with the news cycle here. But who's your first player that you would wish Jerry Jones and the Cowboys trade for?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to go with my, I guess, more more feasible Trade option first. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like it's likely a move is going to happen, but this is an elevator pitch. So, you know, I'm going to push for a player I do want on the roster. And uh, this one is a little bit less of a splash move than my other one. And I'm just going to keep it on the position that we were just talking about with that linebacker position. I understand that Marquis Spell has looked incredible so far and that Damone Clark is really good. But, you know, we are, you know, one injury away from then again being, you know, really thin at linebacker. And I'm not saying that that um, that that uh, that's likely to happen and I'm not wishing for that to happen. But I just want the Cowboys to be prepared in a situation where they're heading into a playoff game and, and they're suddenly really thin at the linebacker position. And one linebacker who I think would fit with what the Cowboys are looking for and and what need They could fill right now is a Broncos linebacker uh, Josie Jewel. I had uh, mentioned him actually a couple weeks ago on this podcast, um, and um, he's uh, 29 years old. His uh, um his salary comes to an end um, at the end of the season, and um, he will be an unrestricted free agent. And he's just a really good, solid, sound linebacker. He has uh, 48 total tackles this year, and he had 128 last year throughout the whole season. And he's just a really good. Uh, Ron Sober, he's good in coverage, and like he just to me would kind of fill that role of Leighton Vander Esch if he can't play. And um, I just think he would be kind of a good little, you know, like plug-in guy in certain situations. And I think that y- it, it would give you more flexibility of what you could do with Annabelle and like where you could roam him, roam him around the field, what you could do with Clark. And I think it's something that could be good even for for more than just this year because jewel could be a guy who fits so well in this Dan Quinn system maybe Dan Quinn could bring him back on kind of like a cheaper deal like 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 he did with so many other players as well and uh you know I, i i mean i love leighton van der esch just as much as anyone i have his jersey actually in my closet right now i'm a huge leighton van der esch guy but i have to admit that his um injury history is concerning and you know just for his own health we have to think about the future you know and and, and um, if he comes back, how effective will he be? And um, I, I feel like Ju- and um, I feel like Jewel could be a guy who comes in and uh, could be kind of like a late Esch even as far as next season as well. So I think that I I, I think that that's a guy who could um contribute to the Cowboys right now, but he could also contribute in uh, the following years as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great option. Because of what you mentioned with the injury history with Leighton Vander Esch, you're looking out for the player long term and just his own personal health. I mean, who knows what Leighton Vander Esch is thinking right now as he's sitting on IR? Uh, maybe he doesn't want to come back. Maybe he wants to come back and play for one more year. We don't know. So the Cowboys have to try and protect themselves. If you bring somebody in like a Jewel, it, you don't really lose a step, and he's a younger player. Plays very similar to Leighton Vander Esch. So, like you said, that sort of traditional linebacker style I think fits very well. I know, Howman, we just went on a rant about how the Cowboys don't really need a linebacker, but does the name Josie Jewell kind of intrigue you a little bit? And I know he hasn't performed the absolute best on the Denver Broncos, but given where the state of the franchise is, I think you can make that argument for a lot of the players on the roster and you hope that Dan Quinn can get the most out of a player like him.
3: Yeah, Josie Jewell definitely intrigues me. Um as I was saying at the end of my rant, like, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily against getting a linebacker. It just I don't think that they necessarily have to, but Josie Jewell is like one of those guys. I loved him coming out of Iowa back in 2018. He was a fourth-round pick, and um, I was a big fan of him, and like most Iowa defenders, he just plays with that edge. And so it's like one of those guys where you say, yeah, I'd happily take any defensive player from Iowa. Um, You know, he, he hasn't quite lived up to it in Denver, but also, you know, to your point, Denver's defense hasn't been that good this year, and it's kind of a widespread issue there. Um, I think he's definitely someone who could thrive in Dan Quinn's defense. Um, I, I I question, like, how much they would have to give up for him just because, again, I don't think that they are in a situation where they have to go out and get a guy. But if you can get him for, you know, minimal investment, um, I mean, Josie Jewell would be a great fit. And, you know, props to Chris, because I remember he was mentioning Josie Jewell a few weeks ago. He was also mentioning Rashawn Evans as a free agent. They went out and got him. So, you know, maybe – Maybe he's gonna be our, our, our Nostradamus here and they'll they'll go out and get Josie Jewell too now that everyone's talking about him as a trade candidate. Some people are kind of connecting him with the Cowboys. Some people are saying maybe that's the linebacker the Eagles are, are targeting. So Yeah,
2: exactly. I was just about to say yeah. like our luck he'll end up an Eagle after all this. So.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be fitting, but uh, you know, Namdi Awesome want two point oh to pull out a deep cut.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So Howman, who do you have as your first player that you want to kind of make a, a stump speech for?
3: Uh, my first player, speaking of deep cuts, I'm I'm going with uh, Cardinals tackle Kelvin Beecham. Mm. Um, he, he's, a, he's a veteran guy. He's been around the league for quite a while. Uh, and, and really, I, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, um, you know, the, the offensive line, I, I think overall the offensive line has performed admirably, especially with some injury issues. But, you know, Tyron Smith is kind of proving that, you know, he, he's when he plays, he is the Tyron Smith that we all know and love. Like, he's still got it. <laughs> but he's also proving he's still not the kind of guy that can suit up and play consistently. He was inactive this week, despite there being some optimism earlier in the week that he could play. Um, And then Chuma Edoga took his spot. And I think Chuma Edoga has done well when he's played at left guard. I think he's been a little bit more shaky when he's at left tackle. He also is now hurt, and I haven't really heard specifics about if he'll be able to go this week, what that situation will be. Um, so I'm I'm thinking, like, I, I would love to get, like, a true swing tackle that where, you're like, you feel good about left tackle, you feel good about right tackle, and that's pretty much what Kelvin Beecham is at this point. Um, you know, he started his career with the Steelers, playing at left tackle, then went to play left tackle for the Jets, has been with the Cardinals, uh, I think this is his fourth year now, and he's been mostly playing right tackle for them, um, but they're also not really using him this year because they drafted a, a, a young tackle this year, and they have DJ Humphreys as well, so... The Cardinals are kind of, they're in a spot where they're not really getting a whole lot out out of Kelvin Beecham, um, and they're also definitely pivoting towards the future, so they would love to, you know, deal an older player like Beachum for draft picks, and I think that's just a really good situation to add someone with, with his experience, his veteran presence, the, the ability and the experience of playing both tackle spots, um, and, and just to have that in there, and, and he's, he's played well when he's played, too. I mean, he's clearly not at, at his peak anymore, but Uh, I would just feel a lot better about the tackle depth, especially with Tyron Smith kind of, you know, going through some ups and downs. And it doesn't seem like the Cowboys want to move Tyler Smith out to left tackle anyway, whether or not that becomes a situation where Tyron is unavailable. So to have someone like Beecham, I would feel very comfortable with him on there.
1: Chris, I like the idea of adding a veteran offensive lineman to the mix because the Cowboys do have a lot of young guys that they're trying to develop and build. But, um, you know, given the state of where Tyrant Smith is at, I know I think RJ put out something where all the games that Tyrant has missed or how many games he's played throughout the season. He's already at that three game mark that a lot of people have kind of come to expect over the past few years for him to miss. So if he misses any more time. I think you know with the way that the Cowboys are moving, you, you can't really afford to lose somebody like Tyron Smith for a long period of time and not really have a plan in place. We've seen Adoga kind of come in, but of course with Adoga being injured yesterday, it uh, doesn't seem like he's in a walking boot with his ankle injury. But again, you don't know how that can linger. If it is a high ankle sprain, those things can kind of take some time. Um, and I know Jane Slater, uh, before the game, caught up with Tyron Smith. And it looked like it was a last minute inactive to the list. He said he wanted to play, but trainers and team doctors didn't think it was a good enough, uh, a good idea, um, following the next thing or didn't want to re aggravate it. So at least that's promising that he wanted to go. He felt good enough to go, but the doctors didn't feel comfortable. So we can come to expect it's a minimum three game uh, absence for Tyron Smith. But when you have somebody like Beachum in there, you don't have to reshuffle things around. And if he's better than Nadoga, probably makes you feel a little bit better about your offensive line.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely
2: does. Um, I'm uh, very okay with adding some offensive line depth. I'll still stand by this, that I think the Cowboys should have uh, went O-line in the second round instead of uh, Luke Schoonmaker, especially with the way uh, Jake Ferguson's playing. I think Ferguson like looks really good when he's given those opportunities. He, he looks athletic and sound. But um, back to the offensive line standpoint, yeah. Um, Tyron Smith is incredible. He's he, He's he been incredible throughout his, his uh, tenure in Dallas. But it's almost to the point now where Cowboys fans should just assume that he's not playing this week until he actually is on the field playing. Cause it seems like every other week he may be playing, he may not be playing. And it's been like that over the last several years, which is why he signed a very incentive based contract with the Cowboys to come back. Cause the Cowboys couldn't really make it work on a, on a very guaranteed uh, on a very um, a guaranteed contract. So, so yeah, so I'm, very for the idea of adding some offensive line depth, especially if we get into the playoffs and Tyron Smith is battling an injury. Then, you know, I feel like in the playoffs against that Seattle defensive line, against that Philly defensive line, even if we go up against like the Lions or the Seahawks, you know, like they also have pretty good front sevens as well. So, so I think that that offensive line will have to be shored up. So, so yeah, so we got to hope that um, Tyron Smith can stay healthy. But if he can't stay healthy, it would be good to add a veteran uh, tackle to uh, fill in the need for sure.
0: I don't know why. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Luke Schoonmaker is catching a stray here because so far uh, (laughs) one reception has gone for a touchdown and the other one has gone for uh, seven yards uh, or 14 yards rather so or 13. So, I mean, I think he's done pretty well for himself. Uh, He either catches first downs or touchdowns. So, uh, no, (laughs) I, I agree that, you know, a lot of people will look at the Osiris Torrance you know, uh, legacy. And no, see I'm not saying, I would have much
2: rather had Osiris. Yeah, and, and, and um, yeah,
1: and, and see where that goes throughout his career and compare it to Luke mm-hmm. Schoonmaker. So I definitely can see that. Um We were talking about line. Lyme-
3: it, it's worth it's worth mentioning Osiris Torrance. Zero first down zero. Yeah, zero. <laughs> zero <laughs> yeah. Just yeah exactly.
1: No, that's that's a great point. Uh, good job by you. Um, <laughs> the one player I want to talk about. I've mentioned this before. If you've seen any of the stuff on Twitter, um, I think Frankie Luvu would be a great addition for the Cowboys and not so much linebacker because I think to your point, Howman, like they have some pretty solid depth as it stands right now. Um, you hope that Lane vanderesh can come back healthy. And, you know, between him, Clark, uh, Marquise Bell has been phenomenal um, for, since his transition. It's only been 62 days he's played a linebacker, and he's done really, really well for him for himself. So I think when you have a player like Luvu come in, he's not the absolute best linebacker in the world but I think he's sort of like a Micah Parsons 2.0 the way that, that they've used him in Carolina is sort of this chess piece all over the defense there was a video um that I posted uh when I was talking about two linebackers potentially the Cowboys could go after when Le- Vander Esch went down it was him and Aziz Alshayeer I think Luvo there was a snap where he lined up over the center similar to how Micah Parsons would line up in Dallas and he actually got a sack on the play against the Saints so They use him in a variety of ways. Uh, 2022 was his best year where he had over 100 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, 9 QB hits, and 7 sacks. Right now, I believe he has 5 sacks on the year. Um, He's the uh, PFF's uh, highest graded pressure um, guy for linebackers at 91.1 for minimum 20% of snaps for all linebackers. Uh, he has a missed tackle rate of about 18.3%. So that's a little high for linebackers. I think a lot of that has to do with sort of the tenacity that he plays with, um, sort of just a loose cannon all over the field. But he does have 21 stops on the year, which is 26 for his position. But for context, Marquis Bell has 16 on the year and how well he's played. I think, again, he's shown enough flashes at linebacker to where you could use him as a linebacker and feel good about him in run defense and pass defense. But for me, it would be an opportunity to give Micah Parsons a rest especially with what we saw last year, which down the stretch, Micah Parsons really slowed down. I think you started to see him get banged up a little bit. Um, The Cowboys were still playing Micah Parsons into the fourth quarter on Sunday. So if you want to alleviate that and you still want that sort of presence of sort of this chess piece you can move all over as a hybrid linebacker defensive end, why not add a second one? I think you could probably get him for maybe a 2025 fourth-round pick because the Cowboys don't really have – anything to play with. And that's the tough part, I think, for Dallas right now. And we can get to this a little later is that it's either going to be a really premium pick they're going to have to give up for a guy or it's going to be a back end of the draft. And maybe you can hope that a comp pick can kind of come your way um, to kind of alleviate what you would be giving up. But there's sort of a no man's land right now with not having a fourth, fifth or sixth round pick in the 2024 draft. But if they give up a 2025 fourth, we've seen that they've had success in the draft in the past you nail it this year coming up and then maybe 2025 doesn't really matter too much um, and then you, you have a rental player that you can hope pushes you into a Super Bowl run so have any of you guys I'll start with you Chris have you seen anything of Frankie Louvre or, or heard the name I know the Cowboys are gonna be playing the Panthers in a few weeks so maybe get a little insider intel uh, on the team you know, before you get to play him um, but what have you seen from him and how do you think he would fit for the Cowboys
2: yeah, yeah, I think that Luvu would would uh, be a great fit. You know, I've lived in North Carolina for the majority of my life, so I've seen that a lot of. Panthers right. Football. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've seen a lot of Panthers football. Um, prior to me having enough money to afford Sunday ticket, I would watch a lot of the Carolina Panthers games on my uh, local channel, and um, Luvu always kind of jumped off the screen for me. He seemed to always have a really good impact for the Panthers, and he really can just be all over the field. He can be a good rusher as well as a good off the ball linebacker, and show his range, kind of you know running sideline to sideline and stopping the run. And, and, and I think that that's a very important if you view our biggest competition right now as well you know if you're looking at the Lions who are a good run heavy team if you look at the Seahawks who have Kenneth Walker if you look at the uh, 49ers who have Christian McCaffrey the Eagles who are a very run heavy team as well even though they do have success in the past game as well so I think Luvu would be a great fit for the Cowboys I think that he could be all over the field in a bunch of different uh, positions in a bunch of different situations I think Dan Quinn would get the best out of him for sure so yeah I'm all in on a Frankie Luvu deal I watched him a lot in Carolina and he's great and he's also only 27 years old, too, so he's not too old. You know, he he, he is a guy who could stay in uh, Dallas for, like, a good amount of time if that's what the Cowboys wanted. So, yeah, so I, I'm all on the Frankie Luvu train. And Hellman, I mean, he is
1: a 2024 free agent. So if the Cowboys didn't want to commit long-term, they don't have to. And what if I told you you can get a second Micah Parsons for a 2.6 million dollar base salary, and of course maybe the Panthers will eat a little bit of that as well. Does that intrigue you at all to have a second Micah Parsons on the team?
3: <laughs> you know, let it never be said that you're not a good salesman because that's that's a really good way to spin it. Um, no, I'm I'm very familiar with Frankie Luvu uh, as an Arizona State alum. He played at Washington State, so I remember. Facing him pretty often, he was a he was like a wrecking ball for those Washington State defenses. He had six and a half sacks his final year there. I was like shocked when he went undrafted because he was one of those guys that you know wherever you line him up, line him up, he's going to make a play. And it was kind of cool to see him really come into his own with the Panthers. And uh, you know he, he's definitely one of those guys that like he, like Dan Quinn would just be thrilled to have him because you can use him in so many different ways. Um, and, and so like. Because similar to, like, Josie Jewell, like, for me, it really comes down to the price. Like, how much are you giving up for him, especially because, uh, you know, because of the contract situation. So it might not even be a long-term investment. It might just kind of be a one-year rental for, for this for for this year's team. So, I mean, I, I'm definitely not opposed to it. Um, Frankie Louvre is a really good player. But I also do kind of wonder if Carolina wants to get rid of him. Um, maybe they, they're going to try to re-sign him. Maybe they see the same value that we see in him and say, like, hey – you know we're, we just won our first game like momentum's heading in the mm-hmm. right direction and like we want to keep this defense together because they do have a pretty good defense they've got some real dudes on that side of the ball so um i don't even know if, if necessarily he would be available but uh if they were able to get him for you know a late pick or, or a pick from a year from now like i'm not going to be upset about it i would love to see him in, in this Dan Quinn defense
1: and also playing to the crowd as well uh He was also quoted of being a Taylor Swift fan in a YouTube video that I saw on Carolina Panthers YouTube. So I think that also makes you kind of fall in love with him a little bit more, right? Right.
3: I just changed my mind. I think we should trade a first round pick for him.
2: I also just changed my mind as well. I may be off the uh, hype train for Lou now. It has the
1: reverse effect. So yeah, Yeah. let let it be known that he's a Taylor Swift fan and uh, do that with what you will. Um, Kind of like resetting and uh, again, trying to scap Twitter for potential pop-up rumors and stuff like that. Um, Kevin Gray of 105.3 The Fan with The Get Right. Um, Micah Parsons was on his show today. The Edge um, Bleacher Report. And he said that Cowboys superstar Micah Parsons thinks the Cowboys can make a trade for more depth on the offensive line, a quarter defensive line or linebacker going into the trade deadline. So Micah Parsons really thrown a wide net out there uh, for a potential move for the Cowboys. So he's he's learning from the Jerry Jones uh, playbook on that one. And I appreciate for him just throwing it out there again, just putting more chum in the water. You never know if any of the ones that we are talking about right now are going to be right.
2: Well, well, it does sound like, you know, he does kind of want us to, you know, add some more depth and it did sound like he really wanted Mozzie Smith as well. And he kind of, you know, did have his little influence there. So maybe Micah will be the reason why Jerry Jones actually does make a move ahead of the deadline.
1: Yeah, you never know. Persuasion is a beautiful thing. Um, (laughs) Let's go back around. Chris, who's the second player that you want to talk about? Oh,
2: man, this is is a um, big name, a big entertaining one, one that uh, has been talked about a lot, one that also probably isn't viewed as a very likely one among many people. But the Cowboys need a power back. They need somebody who can run the ball up the middle, take on some defense, you know, really wear the defense out. I feel like one of the bigger problems with the Cowboys offense this year is the fact that Tony Pollard isn't quite as explosive or quite – as damaging as he was uh, last season. And and uh, that's not to say that he's fallen off or anything. I think he's still kind of recovering from that injury. And, you know, he's kind of having that kind of like um, Michael Gallup kind of, you know, setback year where he's trying to get back in his rhythm. He still played really well. He's not been awful by any means, but he's just not been that that break uh, play for 40 yards at any point uh, moment type of player that he was last year i think the cowboys really really need a guy who can run the football you know if you look at the last three matchups against the 49ers the cowboys are averaging 13 points per game against them and they're only averaging 3.4 yards per carry against them and you know i know that the 49ers have dropped their last three games obviously because they put all their will into beating us or i um, uh, 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 um uh beating the cowboys uh that uh that uh, week five but the cowboys 100 percent could add a power back to kind of compliment Tony Pollard. So I think that they should go all in on getting Derrick Henry. And I know that that's a name that, whoa, whoa, Derrick Henry, how would he be available for trade? Well, he is going to be a free agent in uh, the offseason, and it would kind of make sense for the Titans to get some compensation for him. You know, he's been there for a while now. He's had a super successful career. We all know in 2020 he ran for uh, 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. And that was a while ago, but he is still showing that he still has it now as well. You know, he just ran – um, for um, 22 times for 101 yards against the Falcons, he uh, he ran for 8.1 yards per carry against the Ravens. And that's a stout front seven, and like and, and uh, we all know that that the Ravens have a really good uh, defense. So um, I think that Derrick Henry would be a great fit for the Cowboys, and it would make the offense so like multidimensional. I feel like it would really like force teams to choose: should we stack the box against Derrick Henry, or should we? Uh, play more coverage against CeeDee Lamb and all these other threats on the outside I think it would make that Prescott's job so much easier and I think it would just get the offense flowing in a way that we have a dominant run game on top of the passing game because I feel like that's when the Cowboys have been the most successful on offense is when they had you know um uh, um when they had 2016 Ezekiel Elliott you know rushing as dominantly as he was and then 2014 when they had DeMarco Murray rushing as dominantly as he was you know it, it it was such a luxury for the offense to have a guy who you could hand it off to and boom, like five yards every single time, if not for more. So so I think that the Cowboys are kind of missing that right now in their backfield. And I think Derrick Henry and Tony Pollard would be the ultimate um, running back duo in the NFL right now because you'd have power and then you'd have speed and you'd have receiving and then you'd have a goal line threat. And, and uh, speaking of the goal line impact, I mean, the Cowboys have struggled in, in, in the red zone throughout this season. And if they had Derrick Henry, I think that that would really you know fix those issues because – I mean, I feel like a a Derrick Henry handoff at the one-yard line is about as reliable as that tush push is in Philadelphia. So I think that you can't go wrong with that. So, yeah. So I know it's not likely. I know the Cowboys, more than likely, I give it like a 99.7% chance, will not have Derrick Henry on their roster tomorrow. But Jerry Jones, I'm I'm sure that you'll be listening to this tomorrow morning. And I'm asking you, please, please consider Derrick Henry. I think it would... Really, really elevate the Cowboys and put them in a position where they could really contend for a title this year.
1: And for what it's worth, I'm totally on board with the move for someone like Derrick Henry. You mentioned the numbers and everything. I mean, it, it does line up perfectly for where he could be a one-year rental, and and that's it. Not even a one-year, a half-year rental. Um, I also look at down the stretch of the season. You know, the Cowboys are going to be playing not only the NFC powerhouses of the league, but they're going to be playing, you know, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins teams that not only, you know, Miami, they're, they're struggling against the run. And I think you're going to have to make sure you have all facets of the offense working to make sure you keep them honest and and go with a track meet in that game. But I also think in Buffalo, you know, at the end of the year, you need your, your powerhouse back to make sure that you're setting the tone in those cold weather games. Mike McCarthy knows that well by playing in green Bay for all these years So I think that would be a great deal. I mean, there's also someone like A.J. Dillon, who's in Green Bay right now, who's also going to be a free agent in 2024. Maybe the Packers are kind of resetting the board a little bit with who they want at running back. But to me, Hellman, you know, Henry is a very intriguing name. But for all the Hunter Lipke truthers out there, the Ezekiel Elliott truthers who wanted him to stay on the roster, it seems kind of like a redundant player that you could have had um, but the Cowboys just decided to kind of let go Um, they already have Hunter Lipke on the roster they just haven't used him but Henry would certainly make the the difference for this team right now right
3: um I don't know I, I I have a hard time like really jumping on um I mean don't get me wrong like Derek Henry has been incredible since he stepped into the league um granted part of that is because the Titans built their entire offense around him I mean they They, for a long time, have been one of the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. They've built their offensive line around getting run blockers. And even when when they started having success at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill, I mean, so much of it was built off of play action. So much of it was built around, like, this is Derrick Henry's offense. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say, like, that Derrick Henry can only be successful when he's, like, the workhorse, but... That's certainly what we've seen early on in his career. Like they tried to use him in like a running back tandem with Deion Lewis and a couple different guys, and he wasn't really, you know, he didn't he didn't really get in a groove until they started like feeding him workhorse numbers. And I don't want that in Dallas. I mean, that's that's the same thing that we we just got out of where like they kept on feeding Zeke because they felt like they needed to because like he was the fourth overall pick. He had the ninety million dollar contract. and and like, sure, Tony Pollard hasn't been as effective so far this year. And and there's some issues to to fix there. But, like, I, I just feel like if you go out and you trade for a Derrick Henry, I'm worried that they're going to get back into that same mindset of, well, we had Zeke. We had to feed Zeke. Now we have Derrick Henry. We have to feed Derrick Henry. And, I mean, I, I was talking about it at the start of the show. Like, the Cowboys offense was so good this past week. And part of that was they really – they didn't, like, commit to the run. They didn't try to establish the run. Like, they were throwing in on early downs and Dak was doing great. And they were, you know, they were using their perimeter weapons because they have a lot of perimeter weapons. Even even when they were trying to run the ball, like, they, their most successful runs team on the outside because Tony Pollard's great in space. You get Kevante Turpin, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks on these these jet sweep end-arounds. Like, that's, that's where they win, get their offensive line out in space, pulling and blocking downfield. And, I, I mean, again, like, if they were to go out and, like, trade a seventh-round pick for Derrick Henry, I'm not going to throw a fit, but I also <laughs> – I feel pretty confident <laughs> that that that's not going to happen. I think it would probably take a a pretty penny to get Derek Henry out of there. Um, and also, like we're, like we were talking at the beginning too about kind of a lot of deals needing to be restructured. By today, um, Adam Schefter tweeted out at like 3:27 uh, p.m. Uh, Central Time because I'm on Central Time, like you know, like like the Dallas Cowboys. Not throwing shade to the East Coast people,
0: mm-hmm. but
3: he said any long shot chance the potential Derrick Henry deal diminished at 4 p.m. today when the deadline passed for him to restructure his contract. Uh, he has five and a half mil left on his deal, so um, you know, it, part of it is like he, you know, the appeal. I get the appeal of like the the contract situation ending soon, but also that's a big chunk of money to take on especially if he's not going to be your bell cow guy coming in, which is not what I want. I, I don't think that anyone wants Henry to come in and be getting 25 carries a game. Um, I, I just, like I said, it, it, if the compensation was right to where it's just like a steel trade for them, like I'm not going to throw a fit, but I just don't think that that's, I, I see it as kind of going back to the situation we just got out of with Ezekiel Elliott.
2: Yeah, can we at least acknowledge? I'm sorry, Brandon. Can uh, we at least acknowledge that Derek Henry right now is not the same as the Ezekiel Elliott of last season? And I'm not trying to, you know, you know, drag Ezekiel Elliott. I love Ezekiel Elliott. I'm a huge fan of him. But, you know, he averaged 3.8 yards per carry for the Cowboys last season. He was kind of at the end of his, you know, stay with us, obviously, since, um, um, since the Cowboys kind of parted ways with him. So I don't really view it as much as it's just a repeat of Ezekiel Elliott. And Derrick Henry would make Tony Pollard's job a lot easier as well. I think that we would see more of those explosive um, um, Tony Pollard plays as well as the fact too that if Derrick Henry was on this roster I don't necessarily think that you have to go run 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 every single play But just having him on the field like it's gonna take so much respect from the defense like there's gonna be so much attention put on him because because defenses still respect Derrick Henry a lot and and if they don't stack the box, then then that's even more reason for C.D. Lamb to eat That's even more reason for Brandon cooks to be open on the deep ball It's even more reason for Jake Ferguson to find his 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 plays in the uh, game as well So I just think that there's no downside I mean like if you look at not the money and you look at not the compensation that we'd have to give up You can't sit here and say that the Cowboys wouldn't be a better team right now if they had Derrick Henry on their
3: roster No, I, I mean that's that's why I said like if the, if it was for the right price, like I'm not going to throw a fit, but we also have to understand like the teams don't like, they don't completely ignore that context either. Like, you know, if you invest highly in a player, like, like draft pick wise, like you're going to try to get him, get more out of him. Like the Cowboys are going to want to see more snaps from Mozzie Smith. than they will Jalen Brooks, all due respect to Jalen Brooks. But when you draft a guy in the seventh round, you're not expecting him to play a whole lot of, in his rookie year. Same with the contract. Like if you, you know to a certain degree they're going to play the best player but at the same time you know you have a guy that's making as much money as Ezekiel Elliott was as Derrick Henry is like you want him on the field you don't want to just be paying him to sit on the bench and you know i will admit Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry now is not what Ezekiel Elliott was last year but Derrick Henry now is also not what Derrick Henry was last year or the year before he's definitely on the decline in his career and, I mean, to your point about, like, you know, having the power back down for the, for the red zone and near the goal line, Tennessee has a worse red zone offense than the Cowboys do right now. So, I mean, Derrick Henry's not getting it done for them in the red zone. He hasn't really made their red zone offense, you know, explode and do all that. So I, I just – I struggle to see how he's going to come in and, like, just immediately upgrade the red zone offense or, or the offense in general to, to where it would be worth it to give up. You know, draft capital or other assets to try and bring him in.
1: Yeah. And I do think. To your point, Chris, it seems like that the the concern is more of just having a power back on the roster, somebody who can kind of compliment Tony Pollard. We, we've seen a lot from Rico Dattel. I think that they haven't used Hunter Lipley to his full potential yet, so there are a lot of few wrinkles that maybe the Cowboys haven't used yet to kind of help Tony, and they certainly believe in him a ton um, to kind of put a bow on the Derrick Henry conversation. I do think that he's going to be a Tennessee Titan, I think, with the way that the Titans performed On Sunday, I think they're right back in the contention, potentially for a wild card spot in the AFC, potentially that final one. They kind of saw a lot from Will Levis. Um, They go into a Thursday night game this week. So I think that they want him to be there to help a rookie quarterback out um, if that's the direction they want to go with for the rest of the year. And then also, too, Cole Jackson, I just came across. He's a freelance reporter for the Ravens. Um, it says, per sources, the Ravens and the Titans had a deal in place for Henry. The deal was vetoed by the Titans owner. So I think it, when it comes down to the legacy of Derrick Henry, I think keeping him in, in Tennessee is probably something that they want to do. Kind of puts a bow on it. I, and that's why, for me, the second player that I want to bring up, I, I mentioned you know this sort of power back trying to keep it within the realm of realistic possibilities for the Cowboys. I love the idea of James Conner potentially being a Dallas Cowboy, being that sort of guy who's has a nose for the end zone. He's a great pass catcher could really compliment Tony Pollard. But I also think with the way that he's on injured reserve right now, you don't really know how his season might go with recovery. Cowboys might not want to take a chance on it. So I'll give you another name that is more of the Cowboys speed. And that is Latavius Murray for the Buffalo Bills. The Bills just went out and signed free agent Leonard Fournette. They have Damian Harris on the roster. They also have James Cook. And I think Latavius Murray could be expendable at that point. He went in and was with the Broncos last year, rushed for over 700 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, And the year before that, he played with Baltimore in 14 games, starting six for 500 yards and six touchdowns. So, for me, I, I, I've i always been a big fan of Latavius Murray, not only because of the LT kind of touchdown celebration that he has, but he's just a really good veteran uh, presence in the locker room. He's a pro's pro. I always liked his running style. It was very similar to me that, to what DeMarco Murray had, just kind of like a, a really smooth runner. Um, to me, I just like the fact that he is a more goal line back really like when you ask him to get into the end zone, he usually gets in without any problems. He's a bigger guy. So I think again, when you're looking for a compliment back to a Tony Pollard, you might be able to get him. Honestly, I think that the bills if anything will release him and you could potentially just sign him. You don't really have to trade anything for him, but if you really wanted to, you could throw a seventh round pick uh, to the Buffalo bills. Maybe you get a sixth back. I don't know. I, I probably not, but I'm just saying you could probably get him for dirt cheap and he could kind of fit right into where he can also bring leadership to the locker room, kind of help a guy like Deuce Vaughn maybe uh, with any questions that he has, or Malik Davis, or, you know, Rika Dowdle, or just being a veteran guy, a veteran leader in the locker room that they might be missing with somebody, with Ezekiel Elliott not being there. I wanted to put Ezekiel Elliott on this list and that the Cowboys trade for him to the from the Patriots and get him back. But I just think you're opening up Pandora's box with that and with the narrative. I don't think you need the distraction right now. Um, So for that reason, like I said, I I thought Latavius Murray was a good name. Does that sort of make you feel a little bit at ease? If if the Cowboys don't go for Henry, that door is shut, Chris. Does Latavius Murray kind of make you feel a little bit better that they got somebody else in the
2: building? There's no stray at Latavius Murray. I think Latavius Murray is a smooth (laughs) runner the same way that, you know, like you're talking about, but. I feel like that would be like asking your mom or dad to to like go see the new movie in IMAX, and they're like, "Nah, just go to the five dollar movie bin at Walmart." You know, like that, <laughs> you know, like that's how yeah. it feels to me. Yeah. And you know, like that's kind of the Cowboys' approach to free agency and through trades for the um uh, um for the most part in, in my recent life. So you know, it makes sense. It's characteristic of what the Cowboys like to do. So I'm not putting it past them to do something like that. But I don't know. I feel like there's a huge difference with that. I would honestly love uh, the James Conner edition. Um, if we were kind of looking at like a power back, because he is able to um, be a pretty good receiver as well. And he does have kind of that, that um, veteran leadership. And I think that he would compliment Tony Pollard really, really well. But yeah, I, I'm not against the whole Latavius Murray. Like I wouldn't be mad at it. I could see the pros to it. But um, it would definitely not get me as riled up as a Derrick Henry trade would. Howman, what about for you?
3: You know, I'll, I'll stick with the metaphor that, that Chris gave, but like kind of tweak it a little bit. That's like saying, like, I wanted to go see like the big new blockbuster in IMAX, and instead your parents say, We'll go to like the $5 movie bin. But sometimes when you look in that $5 movie bin, you find like a hidden gem. Like you find like a Dark City <laughs> or a Gattaca. Like real ones will know. Like there's some classics out there. Latavius Murray is kind of like he's one of those poster boys for the the analytical, like running backs don't matter kind of group. I mean, I, I just I just pulled up the numbers and like for his career, like he's never made more than five million dollars in a, in a year. Yeah, he's played for a few different teams. For his career, he's got just under 6,400 6, rushing yards, fifty seven touchdowns, uh, and he's he's averaging. Uh, let me see if I can find the number four point two yards per carry for his career. Like that's that's pretty good, and and to be playing like for the um, the dollar amount that he has played for throughout his career on a yearly basis, like he's one of those guys. Like you can put him on just about any team. You're going to find a role for him. He's going to produce. He's going to be steady. And, you know, you're not going to be worried about overpaying him. He's, he's like, he's really one of those guys that, you know, kind of fits in most places. I think he would be a really good power back role addition for, for Dallas in, in, with what they're looking for. Um, and, you know, obviously he's not Derrick Henry. Like he's not going to make the kind of plays that Derrick Henry will. But, again, I, for the reasons I outlined, I don't think you need – Derek henry like you can get latavius murray he's going to give you the power back and roll you're going to be able to feel a little bit more comfortable about like those third and short runs you're going to have more options when you get to the goal line especially inside the 10 um but you know i i also just think like i mean they they also have some options some options on the offense already rico dadle show he's got some ability with some of those dirty runs hunter Lipke has you know I understand they're kind of ramping him up going from FCS to the NFL right away. That's, that's a big jump. So I get wanting to ramp him up and kind of integrate him. Maybe when they get to those December games and they're looking for more power football at that point, they'll be a little more comfortable with him. I don't know if that's the plan or not, but I'd be happy with Latavius Murray coming in, especially it would be great if the bills, like you said, Brandon, if they just with the addition of Leonard Fournette, they just cut him and you don't even have to worry about giving up any draft capital for him. But I think he'd be a really good addition.
1: Alman. your last player. Take us home, and then we'll kind of wrap this whole trade discussion up. But who's sort of that final player that you hope that the Cowboys make a push for within the next few hours?
3: Yeah, I think for me, um, it really comes down to the cornerback position. Um, and that's CB, not QB. I know sometimes <laughs> it can be hard to distinguish when when someone says one or the other. Um, I, I fully believe in Dak Prescott. Don't worry. Um, but But the corner position, I think – you know, Deron Bland obviously is playing out of his mind incredible right now. Stephon Gilmore, you know, there's been a few, you know, issues here and there with some speedy receivers, but I think he's obviously been more good than bad. Um, Jordan Lewis, though, I, I think he has really been struggling this year in the slot. And, I mean, I've been a big Jordan Lewis fan for a long time. Um, so this is – I really hate throwing any shade at him. Um and he was good against the Rams, to his credit. Like you know, he, he the struggles that he's had this year, they didn't show up in in that game. Hopefully, he's just kind of getting back into shape after coming back from that injury. But if there's a spot where there's like a position that needs an upgrade, I think it would be corner. And there's a few corners out there that are that might potentially be available. Um, I know everybody wants Patrick Sertan. I I highly doubt the Broncos are going to trade him. Um, that's one of the guys where it's like if you can get him, you know, awesome, great. But I really, really doubt it. One guy I really want though is the Bears' corner, Jalen Johnson. Uh, he, he's someone that I was also really high on coming out of Utah. You know, also, you know, rep my Arizona State school. You know, pulling a, pulling a B one and talking about my alma mater. But um, Jalen Johnson was one of those guys. He in college he was just gritty. He always made the play. And since he's come to Chicago, he has been really, really good for them too um actually this year among all corners with you know qualifying amount of of targets on the year his passer rating allowed for this season 37.3 that's the second best mark in the NFL interestingly the only guy above him like with a with a lower passer rating allowed Deron Bland so you know these are th- these are two of the best corners out there playing right now and the reason that the bears would be willing to give him up one obviously we all know they're not really competing right now they're they're very much, you know, having a down year, but they also this this new regime, the GM and head coach that's that's in Chicago, who honestly their their jobs may be in jeopardy. We don't really know, but they have drafted three different corners since they got there in the two years they've been there. They inherited Jalen Johnson from the previous regime. Uh, defensively, they play a zone-heavy scheme. Jalen Johnson has always thrived in press man schemes, which is what the the Cowboys run under Dan Quinn. So, it you know his his rookie contract is up after this year, and they didn't extend him before the season started there haven't really been a whole lot of talks about extending him during the season I think I, I don't know if like they want to keep him or, or if they're just kind of saying like you know maybe we have a new GM this time next year and they'll want to make the decision we don't want to trade him yet who knows but if he's someone that can be had you'd probably have to pay a pretty penny for him like a second or third round pick um, but I, I think he's definitely someone who's worth it he brings that extra level of coverage and you can move bland black back into the slot and you have him in the slot and he's playing out of his mind. You get Jalen Johnson, who's playing like one of the best corners in the NFL. And then obviously Stephon Gilmore, everyone knows what he can do. But I think, uh, you know, if you, if you obviously it would involve benching Jordan Lewis, but he also brings that veteran leadership and, and you went into this season thinking he was going to be on the bench for most of the year anyway. Um, so he kind of gets back to that expected role. I, I think that's just gives you one extra level just fortifies this secondary uh they're already playing so well but bringing in and upgrading it like that i think would just take this defense to the next level and since the cowboys have been saying you know we, we're a defense first team like we want to rely on our defense like you know go out and, and get a premium player in one of the best positions
1: yeah i mean chris to to Howman's point the lineup of you know bland back in the slot Stephon Gilmore on the outside and then Jalen Johnson on the outside. And I don't know if you mentioned it when you were talking, but I alluded to it earlier, the Benjamin Albright tweet where he was asked about Jalen Johnson. And uh, somebody mentioned that San Francisco was kind of poking around. And then Benjamin Albright uh, threw out that the Bills and Dallas were two teams that were kind of floating around with that name as well, too. So um, take that with what you will everybody that's listening with, with Ben Albright and and what he has to say. Um, But for, for you, Chris, I mean, that lineup sounds really good. You know, you keep bland back in the slot where he's been really, really, really good over the course of his career, but he's been good on the outside. Um, It puts Jordan Lewis on the bench, but in reality, I mean, the Cowboys couldn't have enough corners last year to be healthy down the stretch and to have that type of depth one through four sounds pretty appealing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, Jalen Johnson would be one of those guys that we've talked about uh, tonight who I would actually be very okay with trading a day 2 pick for because I think that he he really is one of the better starting uh, um outside cornerbacks in the NFL right now and um he is pretty young still as well so so you know like he's a guy too that you know it doesn't necessarily have to be just a one year rental i know that that's kind of where the cowboys are are like looking at you know in terms of like money and finances but you know cap can always kind of be like a little bit you know change in um in um and I'm um, adjusted and everything like that. So I don't know. I think that Jalen Johnson would be a great, um, outside addition. And I mean, if you look at the cornerback position as a whole, you know, I think that, you know, Jordan Lewis hasn't looked the best. And imagine if, you know, someone does go down, you know, like imagine if, you know, someone in the secondary does go down as well. You know, we already have the injury to uh, Trayvon Diggs. So then, you know, like if, uh, if, another cornerback, uh, um, goes down and gets hurt, then, then you're suddenly looking at, you know, someone like Jordan Lewis having to step up and have an even bigger role on the roster. And I just feel like it's always good to have depth at the cornerback position. And then you can kind of look at it in a situation where, you know, Stephon Gilmore is only on a one-year deal right now. Then Jalen Johnson could kind of continue and be that um a, a, um, a second corner next season. And then you have Trevon Diggs, Jalen Johnson, and um, Deron Bland at the three. So I think that that's a really good cornerback uh Trio to kind of build your future on, and then you can uh, focus on other things in free agency and uh, through the draft.
3: yeah, and and just uh just to kind of build off uh, what I was saying before, too, like the idea of moving Bland back into the slot, like I'm sure some people will hear that and say, hey, well, he's you know he's got all these picks since he started playing on the outside. Like why do you want to move him inside? And yes, Bland has been great playing on the outside. Um, like I mentioned, he he leads all qualifying corners and in, in passer rating allowed his passer rating for the whole season playing both inside and or outside and in the slot is 22.6. But when you narrow it down to just corners when they're targeted while defending in the slot, he also leads the NFL his passer rating when targeted in the slot specifically 12.0, like very, very, very minuscule. He is like he's been great on the outside. I think he has actually been better when he's in the slot. And so um, you know, it's, it's great that he has the versatility to play great at both sides, but if you can move him into the position that he's best at, which is in the slot, and then also bring in a guy like Jalen Johnson, who's already playing at a high level on the outside. I mean, you know, you, you can, you can debate like how much draft capital is he worth at that point, but just from a, from the perspective of getting those two players on the same field. And then you also have former defensive player of the year Stefan Gilmore. Like that's, that's just a win-win.
1: Yeah, I I really do believe that if you had that where Bland was kind of put where, where he's best at. And last year, I mean, he had a lot of his interceptions from the slot. So you feel confident that he could continue that trajectory, especially the way that he's played right now. I think everybody would be in favor of it. And again, you know, you can't really play with hurt feelings too much, especially when you're trying to win Everything, especially the Cowboys with their mindset on the Super Bowl, like I mentioned uh, just before Hammond was talking, it's like the Cowboys suffered by not having enough enough healthy corners uh, last year that they were really just trying to find guys off the street, try a bunch of different people out, and it just wasn't really clicking um, until they kind of had Izzy McQuamu stepping in the slot and they felt confident heading into the 49ers game with that sort of lineup. But I, I want to get your overall feelings on things and we'll talk about, you know, what our realistic expectations are for the Cowboys and as they sit with the trade deadline. Um to touch again on again, as we're recording this, it's on Monday night and things are fluid. Uh that Ravens reporter, the freelance reporter thing that I mentioned, uh Paul kaharski of the Titans uh beat reporter uh pool. Um he came out and said that it is not true that, that there wasn't a veto um, put down by the Titans owner. I'm not, uh, trading Derrick Henry. So things are just going all over the place. Uh, it's a lot of big Twitter battles going on right now for, for who's right and who's wrong. Um, but for you, Chris, I'll start with you. What's your overall feeling of where the Cowboys stand? Like if you were in the room right now and you're listening to what they have to say, what would that be? Uh, if you had to guess where they're at right now?
2: My guess is that they're probably looking in that five dollar movie bin right now. I feel like they're probably looking at those gems that um they can find around the league. I'd be much uh, I'd be much less surprised if they did end up, you know, you know pulling off a trade for like a role player like a Latavius Murray or something like that, which I would be fine with. you know, I'm not saying that that's a bad trade. I'm just saying I don't think that they're gonna come away with a huge trade. I think it's more likely that that they don't make a trade at all than um trading for someone big like a Derrick Henry and and um and um a Jalen Johnson would be incredible but that's not something I'm super confident in either I don't know and to me it's not like I think the Cowboys have a really good roster right now it's just tough to see the Cowboys you know drop that 49ers game 42 to 10 in week five and and just be like you know like it's okay you know like we're just gonna you know, sit here and we're going to see how it plays out. And then you have teams like the Seahawks are making moves right now to get better. The, um, the the Eagles are seven and one right now, and they're being ultra aggressive and making moves. You have the 49ers who said that they've, you know, been active on, on phone calls at this deadline as well. So I just, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of just like settle, you know, like, I just feel like this ownership right now is very content with what, um, with the state of their team. And I just feel like, I don't know. I just want to see a little bit more aggression. And I'm not saying that that necessarily means trading for Derrick Henry, but I would really like to see them make a move in a year that really feels like a win-now situation for the Cowboys. I don't want them to just be content and just be like, oh, you know, it, like, I'm, I mean, like, you know, like, everyone looks good right now, but, you know, maybe, you yeah. know, like, in the future, they'll um, play even better and we'll have a chance at the Super Bowl. I just think that you got to prepare yourself for um, potential injuries, have depth in those situations, and um, look at talent who can elevate your roster right now.
3: I mean, I agree that I think that their overall mindset is content, but, like, I also think they're content for a good reason. You know, they they spent a lot of this off season kind of filling the last couple holes that they needed. I mean, in the offseason, we were all, you know, in love with the fact that they, you know, traded a day three pick for both Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. And, I mean, it, it took a little bit for Brandon Cooks to really get up to speed, but the last two games he's he's really started to look like the Brandon Cooks we thought we were getting. Um and Stefan Gilmore, like I said earlier, he hasn't been completely perfect. I don't think anyone expected that defensive player of the year type player, but he has been more or less what we expected for for Stefan Gilmore at this point in his career. Um, you know, Jake Ferguson, I, I think going into the season, like one of their biggest ne- necessarily weaknesses was like tight end. Jake Ferguson has completely stepped up. Luke Schoonmaker isn't really getting a whole lot of opportunities, but when he has caught the ball, like we said, like he's he's delivered. Um I really, like, I look at this roster and I struggle to really point out one area where they, like, absolutely have to get better. They, they have a lot of depth. Their depth has already been tested at corner, at linebacker, all, all along the offensive line. Like, they've had injuries up and down. And, I mean, they're 5-2. They're and two. They're, they're in a really good spot within the conference. And, you know, if the 49ers game had been a loss and it was just, like, one specific area where it was, like, this is their Achilles heel, then I, I would totally get it and be like, yeah, they have to fill that that hole. But that was just a game where everybody looked bad. Everybody got beat across the board, except for Brandon Aubrey. He's perfect. Love you, Brandon Aubrey. But, like, it, it's it's really hard to look at this team and say, like, I mean, they've lost two games. One was, you know, overlooking the Cardinals. That's a mentality thing. One was they just got their lunch taken by the 49ers. And, and like, that's – It it sucks to see, but it's not like there was one particular thing in that game to where you say, like, this is how they were beaten. They just just got bullied from start to finish.
1: Honestly, for me, if they traded for Mercedes Lewis, I would be ecstatic because I think you have a sixth offensive lineman on the field with him um, out there. I think he's been great. One of the best pass-blocking tight ends of the past generation. Um, shout out to him and, and his career and what he's done. And he's again on the bears team where that isn't really contributing, not really doing much. Um, I think you get him over and he's played really well, um, you know, dating back to his time in green Bay and then also with Jacksonville. So I think that would be a great move and it would actually help the Cowboys in run blocking with their tight ends. But again, every time I looked at a position of need, maybe back off, back up offensive lineman. Well, they also have Awesome Richards and TJ Bass. Guys, when called upon, have performed decently okay. Um, and you figure you can kind of rely on them maybe for a game or a series or two if you absolutely had to. So I just think when we were doing this exercise, trying to find a spot where the Cowboys can improve, yeah, you can go all in and go for Derek Henry. You can go all in and, heck, go for Aaron Donald if you want. Trade two first-round picks and everything. But it's just... The realistic mindset of where the Cowboys are, I just don't think that it's in their DNA to do it. And we'll see, you know, if, if it hurts them at the end of the year and you say, well, man, they could have really gotten X player, you know, for for this price and all that. Um, I just think that they have a great roster right now as it stands. I saw a lot of positive things. And where the offense improved on Sunday against the Rams, where it gives me confidence that if the defense keeps performing at the level that they have been, you mentioned the flukes against the 49ers, and the Cardinals, I think both of those games, the defense played really well. The offense just didn't meet that expectation. If the offense can play like they did on Sunday, Mike McCarthy kind of found out some some things to straighten out over the bye week, this team could be very dangerous. And I think that you don't really need to add anybody because you have all these pieces in place, and then you're really firing on all cylinders moving forward.
2: Oh, yeah, I, no, I agree with you.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And then, like – like that that's that's the part where I'm at is like this team I mean they came into the season with you know on paper one of the best rosters one of the best constructed rosters in the NFL like they they have guys at every single spot and really like at the like in week 1 our two biggest questions on the roster were like is Jake Ferguson the guy is Brandon Aubrey someone we can count on both of them have really performed well so it's like I mean What's the, like, glaring hole? Like, the Eagles went out and got a safety because they had a glaring hole at safety. They're trying to get a linebacker because they have a glaring hole at linebacker. Like, other than that, like, you know, they also have a really good roster. But I don't see, like, an Achilles heel of this team, aside from just, you know, the, the mental aspect of it is, like, not overlooking an opponent or, or you know, getting too excited and you come out and, and, you know, play undisciplined and get a bunch of penalties. And there's no trade that's going to fix that part.
2: David, if the Cowboys trade for Derrick Henry, I will wear a Taylor Swift shirt on our next round table. <laughs> I will do that. So that should put you all in on the Cowboys trade for Derrick <laughs> Henry. I'll go all in on the Taylor Swift fandom on the next round table. I'll, I'll go heard.
3: all in if in addition to wearing the shirt, you perform one of her songs for us live. I'll do it. I'll
2: do all it. All right. Yeah. OK, I'll, I'll probably sound even better than her, too. So, well, you, you, you heard it here first that uh,
1: if that does happen, Chris Halling will be debuting his uh, Taylor Swift cover band uh, on a roundtable. So uh, make sure you follow all of us on X on Twitter, uh, cranking out a lot of great content. Again, if there's a lot of rumors and, and buzz happening within the next 24 hours, there's going to be a lot of content coming out on bloggingtheboys.com. And make sure you listen to all the podcasts on the Blogging the Boys podcast network as we get ready for the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. Unfortunately, I have a wedding that I have to uh, entertain on Sunday, so that'll be interesting how I try and watch the game and be in the wedding at the same time, but that's my problem. That's not your problem. How dare they? How
2: dare they for doing that? Yeah. And you know what's crazy, too? I'm in the exact same situation as you. It's not as quite as important as the Eagles-Cowboys game, but my friend knew that I would be going to the Cowboys and Panthers game in North Carolina, and I had tickets to it. I bought it and everything, and he decides to put me in his wedding on that exact day. So now I got tickets to the Cowboys-Panthers game, and I can't go. So now I guess I just got to go to the Cowboys-Bills game in Buffalo instead because that's where I live now or not in Buffalo, I live in upstate New York, but still, you know, that, I mean, I I'm, I mean, I guess it's some compensation, but what's up with our friends just not being able to understand and appreciate that we're Cowboys fans and we need our Sundays off?
1: I just think we need to find better friends. That's really... I it, agree. It, I it, agree. I
2: think that we should just be our only friends. Yeah. So then we all... You know, understand that.
1: I, I think if anybody can take anything from this podcast, it would be just make sure you check your friends a little bit. You know, make sure yeah. you, you do a little evaluation because sometimes they'll get you and you can't watch the Cowboys on Sunday. So, with that being said, for David Howman, for Chris Halling, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the Writer's Block and always remember go Cowboys.